If you had the chance to make all your dreams come true, wouldn't you take it? My dream has always been to host my own talk show, and in today's day and age, why not? So here we are sharing stories that inspire, motivate, educate, and entertain. Welcome to Casey's Corner. Hey guys, welcome to Casey's Corner. Today's episode is for the parents or for the parents-to-be uh, because we are chatting with a parenting expert, which I say that word with much hesitation because honestly, how can anyone be an expert on parenting? Well, my guest today does have five kids, so way more experience than I do, and she's written a beautiful book called The Mindfulness Journal for Parents, Prompts and Practices to Stay Calm, Present, and connected. So join me as I chat with author Josephine Adlery. There she is. Hi. Sorry, that was like that was awkward. That's okay. I know, right? It's like the, I think you're the person that was in your picture. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited for today. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Thank you for joining me. I think it's one of those things that uh, this, this book arrived at my door and I instantly felt the mom guilt. I was like, oh, I know I could be doing more. <laughs> so I was so eager to read through it, learn from it, and hear and learn from you. So for those of you who are watching that don't know Josephine, please go ahead and introduce yourself and kind of tell us all about you. Yeah, so my name is Josephine. I am a mindfulness and meditation coach. I'm the author of a new book that just released this summer called The Mindfulness Journal for Parents, and I am a mom of seven. Of seven? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I think, you know what? I read probably before the twins is when I read the, the note yeah. about the five kids. Yes, yes. I burned, I, I created both the book and the new set of twins um, around the same time. So. <laughs> A mom of seven. Okay. All right. Your parenting expert points are, ri are rising. <laughs> Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. So I also have a podcast called um, Responding to Life, Talking Health, Fertility, and Parenthood. And I, you know, along with, um, um, the book and, and podcast. I also have courses on um, fertility, mindfulness, and parenting mindfulness. Funny how it all goes hand in hand. It's one big cycle, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yep. So how did you find yourself getting into this niche? Is it something that you started with before you were a parent with, you know, fertility and mindfulness and then kind of transpired it? How did it all start? Yeah, no, so the, my running joke is that it's because of the kids that I became a mindfulness and meditation. Actually. Yeah. Um, because I had to be this calm, you know, the calm eye of the storm because I'm mm -hmm. constantly surrounded, and every other parent can understand this, just constantly surrounded by a swirl of chaos. And so, you know, I was actually in, prior to doing this, I was in um, working in fitness and nutrition and um, before that, consulting. And so I kind of, as I was working through that uh, as a new parent, I was really on point with those aspects of my own life, but I felt like there was something missing. And it, for me, it was this mental and emotional component that I wasn't, <clears throat> that I wasn't addressing. And so, you know, for work, I started to look into um, 
incorporating and weaving in mindfulness and meditation so that it's like this complete total wellness thing. And as I started to dive into it for, for that business, I fell in love with it. I didn't think I was the person. I hear this all the time from many of my newbie clients. I didn't think I could be that person because I'm constantly surrounded in post-it notes and to-do lists. And I feel like my mind is racing all the time. You know, I'm a former event planner. I'm just like always thinking a few steps ahead. And so I thought, you know what? I can't do this. This is not going to be for me. I'm not going to be able to sit there for a few minutes and turn my mind off. And lo and behold, I gave it a shot and I became hooked. And it's, you know, we can talk about this later, but there are many things that, uh, misconceptions that people have about mindfulness and meditation that I would love to demystify because it wasn't me just sitting there in silence trying to bite off all these thoughts. It was Mm -hmm. me taking a moment um, in my day just for myself to just sort of sit and be peaceful and tune into the calm that we all have inside of us that we sometimes just have a hard time accessing. So that's how it all started. And and then I decided to weave in many aspects of my own journey because to create our family of seven kids, you know, we had to go through international adoption, infertility, surrogacy, all of that. And I could have used um, mindfulness meditation during that whole process. So uh, that's how that sort of happened. And then the natural progression was sort of adding it on to parenting and how you can be mindful as a parent. Incredible. It's funny, you said something there that I think really hits with a lot of people where, you know, it wasn't you taking that minute for yourself. It, it's something I feel a lot of moms feel guilty of is finding that time for themselves or taking the time for themselves where, you know, we, I say it all the time, you can't pour from an empty cup, but it's that moment that you have to allow yourself to nourish yourself, take care of yourself because you're not going to get very far. And you say that in your book too, is, you know, you can't, you, you can't give yourself if there's nothing there to give. So I really appreciated that when I saw that in there. Oh, I thought that resonated with you. Yeah. True. You know, we, we have to have that constant reminder that, as parents, we're always trying to, to do so many things at once because we're just being pulled in so many directions. But at the same time, um, the more we fill ourselves up, um, the harder it is for us to give of ourselves because there's just no more room. There just isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know you work a lot one-on-one with clients. And then is it kind of what the exercises you put in the book and in the journal that you typically will do in a session of one-on-one? Yeah, exactly. So I try to tailor it to whatever a person is feeling and needing in the moment. Uh, So that's the beauty of being able to do a one-on-one session because I can really uh, hone in on what it is that they need because we all change day to day, moment to moment, how we're feeling. And so um, I took the things that I felt to be really key and essential to sort of take away as a parent and threw that into the book. And I started off by... Um, addressing the individual because as parents, before parents, we were people too. And so learning what mindfulness means for us and how to take care of ourselves and how to manage our own stress before we dive into the second half of the book where we're actually incorporating it into our lives as parents and doing some exercises with our kids in a mindful way. 
So what are some of, because I got a lot of questions from followers just because they're like, yes, someone help me with this. Uh, but before we get into that, what are some of the common issues that you do address all the time with your clients so that those who are watching are like, oh goodness, thank God I'm not alone. Yeah, no, no. So one of them is how to, how to deal with tantrums. Yeah. That is a big issue how to manage stress and not get sucked into, into sort of other people's feelings, mm -hmm. um, how to navigate sort of this inner critic that we have inside of us that's always sort of just bringing us down, yeah. even despite all the amazing things that we do. So those are, you know, just emotional awareness and, and really just what is mindfulness and how can I do it? Those are the common things that we work on a lot. Let me ask you, do you think that it's something that is just a sign of the times and social media related where we are so much more almost mindful in a negative way about our parenting and more conscious and more judging and feeling like we're not as adequate as others that we see or, you know, I always try to remind people that what you see on Instagram is just the highlight reel. It's the, it's the show. It's not the behind the scenes. And you know, there's plenty of times where Kennedy's whining in the background, but you don't see it on here. Um, do you think that that's kind of, like I said, a sign of the times? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're constantly surrounded and inundated by um, all of these sort of picture-perfect moments mm -hmm. and everyone sort of showing their best face and not the other stuff, it can be hard to not internalize it, right? And we're always looking to something else and someone else to just sort of give us an indicator of what we should be doing, uh, like what we should be aspiring to. So it can definitely be hard, but then there's also sort of this innate thing that we have within us called the negativity bias. And, you know, way back when, when even before all of this that we have right now, you know, we were fighting off, um, we were trying to stay alive. We were fighting off animals yeah. to stay alive, right? So we were constantly looking around for things that could endanger us, that could harm us. And so there is that innate ne negativity bias. But nowadays, we don't have those things. And instead, what can trigger us, what can make us feel like we're being threatened, will be things like an email or a text from someone or seeing something, like you said, on social media. And so those are sort of those negative things that we are just drawn to because we're trying to sort of protect ourselves and to continue to thrive. Um, so that's why it's really important to use like mindfulness techniques that promote another narrative in your head. Right. And one, and just one even that challenges that voice that you will, will always have it, right? right. But one that creates a different conversation in your mind. I think there's something like, it's almost like mindfulness is what silences the noise. Right. Because there's just, there's so much noise out there. I always joke when another mom will say like, oh, you know, they say, and I'm like, who's they? <laughs> Who is the they that says this thing? <laughs> because, you know, we all are just trying to figure it out and figuring it out, figuring it out in our own way, in our, in our own time. I mean, full disclosure, like my daughter, who is almost five, just got rid of her pacifier last month. I knew it was a terrible thing. I, I chose my battles. You know, like we were in quarantine together for a full year. Then we moved. There was so much change going on for her that I picked my battle. And I just kept reminding myself, she's not going to walk down the aisle or go to prom or graduate with a pacifier in her mouth. It will 
it will go away. We will find the time. And you know what? All, of course, all it took was not me telling her not to use it anymore. It had to be her big cousin who told her, you know, oh, no, we don't use pacifiers. That's not big girls. And she was done. <laughs> but, but, you know, I think it's one of those things that don't, we are so often quick to be hard on ourselves and be our own tough critic, right? So I love what you're doing as far as bringing in a sense of calm, a sense of mindfulness, and a sense of acceptance, I think, on this whole parenting journey, which is so amazing. Um, and with that, I do want to ask a few questions that I got, if that's cool with you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I am going to ask you, just because your, your audio keeps um, glitching a little bit, do you mind switching either to Wi-Fi or off of Wi-Fi? Oh, I think it's in the shot. All right, cool. Because I know people are going to want these answers. Let's see what works better. It might have you rejoin, but we'll see. Is that better? Right. Yes, it is. Can you? Okay. I, oh, no, it's worse. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. worse. That's okay. We'll uh, go back to whatever you were doing and we'll make it work. Slight technical issues, I swear. We just need stronger Wi-Fi and easier parenting skills. <laughs> and we'll all get through this. Is that any... All right, cool. Is it better Ooh, than but you disappeared. Time? Where did you go? There you are. Okay. I... <laughs> what? I... Oh, I'm here. Yeah, you're... It, it went black for a second. But... Okay. We are good. Okay, so I like wrote all the questions out on post-its and I kind of feel like I'm just gonna grab them at random and see how it goes. All right. So first one, any tips for potty training to make it easier? Yes. So one of the things about anything like that where you're trying to meet a milestone is that you, you're going into it with expectations and you're not really meeting your child where they're at, right? Mm -hmm. So with the example of uh, the potty training, you know, in your mind and in what you've read, people, uh, children are supposed to be able to do it by this time, by, you know, in, in this way. And you most likely are trying these different methods and they're not working. And you're approaching your child based off of all these other things versus trying to tap into mindfulness and be aware of what's really happening in the situation. So mindfulness is just awareness of the present moment, of yourself, of your relationship with someone, of that other person. And it, call, it brings in empathy, it brings in understanding, and it meets them where they're at, like I said. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to just let go, I know it's so easy to just say, but if you can release some of the expectations that you have and almost start from a clean slate, and just try to see, you know, where your child is having potential issues, perhaps um, what it is that they're enjoying about the moment, not enjoying about the moment, and, and just changing it up and not putting so much pressure both on yourself and on them, then it will, much like what you did with your daughter, you know, it's um, allowing her to just be who she is and be ready when she's ready versus you placing all this expectation on yourself and on her. And it just makes experience flow a lot better. 
So eventually they'll get there, but I think it's um, in part, like with anything, just releasing all the things that we're really hoping for the situation to, to be, if that makes sense. I really like what you're saying about like the releasing the expectation that we're putting on ourselves as parents too, because I feel like, and again, I'm iterating my own experience because I'm sucking it up, the information and the expertise as well, um, that we, again, have this expectation on ourselves. And I was talking with a group of moms this weekend about how we just cannot play anymore. Like, we are at the point where we cannot be a Barbie doll anymore and just pretend to be some voice and do that whole thing. We're just drawn or um, worn out from it, exhausted from it. And I think that there's something there that if we're a little bit more mindful in that moment of like, okay, maybe your child doesn't want us to play only Barbies, but just have some time with them. Like maybe there's an opportunity there that it's, you know, it doesn't have to be being Skipper or Blue's Clues for the 80th time. It could be, you know, an activity that's a little bit more approachable or a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are, we, that's part of sort of that mindfulness approach is recognizing yeah. how you're feeling in a given moment. And so in that instance, you're recognizing that you're just burnt out. You're burnt out from having to do this over and over again. And that, so when you're just allowing it, oftentimes we just don't allow these feelings to surface because we don't want to address them. We don't want to feel like we're, we suck at parenting. And so by acknowledging those feelings, we're, we're owning up to it and we have to face it. And that's difficult. But in that moment, you're recognizing how you're feeling. You're allowing it to happen. And then you can figure out, like, well, you know what? It doesn't necessarily have to be this way. Maybe there are alternate, alternate solutions and alternate approaches and different things that we can do. And in that, in that moment, when you're doing that, you're really allowing yourself to nurture yourself mm -hmm. while still honoring the fact that your child wants to, to interact with you, wants to play with you. Um, but you're doing it so in a way that, that is honoring both sides and not just always trying to meet your child's side, which can really mm -hmm. turn you up. Yeah. Totally burning out. I like that a lot. That's great. Um, all right. I'm going back to the post-its. Mm -hmm. This is a good one. This is one that I'm guilty of. How do I avoid empty threats and stick to my discipline? <laughs> That's a really good one. The good I'm one, right? The same way, because my husband's always like, they don't trust you. I'm like, no, no, they, they trust me. It's just, it's hard when um, I find that when you're in the moment, and you're not really tuned in to yourself, you're usually multitasking and you're running on autopilot, that things are just coming out of your mouth. Like the things that you were used to saying that you don't even realize they're just on autopilot, the words that are coming out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. So in those moments, when you can, you can physically feel yourself, like, you know, when you're starting to get frustrated, when you're starting to get upset, when you're feeling overwhelmed, you can feel that. And in every person, it's different. And for me, I can feel my chest, I can feel my shoulders. Um, but that's that one step of being aware and recognizing yourself. So when you are able to tune into that, just like that trigger, that signal that you're feeling, then you can quickly implement just that quick pause button. And you can pause 
and just give yourself a moment to take a deep breath. It's amazing what just like a second or two can do to just refresh you. But at the same time, there's all this science behind what's happening because you're telling your body that you're slowing down and that you're telling your body that you're no longer in this state of stress because you're moving into a state of calm simply by slowing down your breath and introducing that oxygen into your system. And so when you can pause, hit that pause button, take a deep breath, then when you actually respond to your child, um, it will be from a place of clarity and from awareness. And so you won't be making those empty threats because now you'll actually have a chance to really think because that's all you needed. You just needed a moment to just like press the freeze button on everything else that's happening around you that you were attending to and just be able to think about how you want to respond to your child versus making these empty threats. And they're empty because you're not really thinking about what you're saying. Right. Right. So if you can just do that, like in this moment, I just took a deep breath and I was able to think about what I wanted to say to you. It, I mean, it takes practice. I mean, I'm not saying any of these things that I'm suggesting to you don't be like that. I yeah, of course. But if you practice them when you're not in those, like in those crunch time situations, when they're, it's not so stressful, it'll be easier for you to do it in the heat of the moment. If that makes sense. I like that. I need to take that advice for sure. Um, let's see. All right, we're going. Setting boundaries regarding being a parent versus being a friend. So I think this is like kind of that, you know, finding where you want your child to respect you, but you also want them to trust you and come to you with things. Like, where is that balance or how do you find that balance? Ooh, I really love the questions that your audience gave. It's so good. Okay, so yes, I, I love that you touched upon creating um, this supportive space, this safe space for your child, right? You want them to trust you, like you said. You want them to know that when they come to you that they'll be understood and they'll be heard. And that could be both the role of a parent, but it can also be the role of a friend. So you have to make that like, distinction then when it's time to enforce certain, certain, not rules, but expectations that you have for them um, and boundaries that you have for themselves. Um, and so it's tricky when you do that, but it really is, I always like to segue it with some sort of like an intro line to help them understand that, okay, we are best buds and I'm cool and I'm like rocking out with you to this music and I'm listening to all your gossip about friends. But in this moment, I'm switching over to the mom hat. And it'll be something as simple like, okay, so here's here's the deal. And, and then there's a tonal change right. in my voice. You know, and it helps for any age group because I have kids ranging from ages like four months old to 15. And so, you know, even with the, like the five-year-olds, if they hear, they can hear a change in my voice. And mm -hmm. my teenagers definitely can hear it as well. And so um, that sends a signal that, okay, now we're entering into mom zone and she's setting a boundary. So that simple change in tone and then just starting it off, like segueing with words, like here's the deal, like this is what I'm like expecting of you or this is how I feel like you should, you know, act or whatever the situation. Mm -hmm. I use a lot of like I words, like I, but like I hear you, I understand yeah. that you feel this way, 
you know, I am supporting of you. And it's all, a lot of mirroring of what they're saying too, so that they can feel like they're being supported and heard. But then also, you know, because now they are able to um, hopefully communicate openly and understand because they're, they don't feel like they're being attacked, right? That's right. Right. Because the moment they feel attacked, the walls come up and just forget about it. You're not going to be able to engage in anything meaningful and constructive because now they're on the defensive. So when I'm approaching them in this way, it's really kind of gentle, but also, mm-hmm. but also firm. And, and so that they feel like they can engage in a conversation with me. Um, so it's not just all one-sided and sort of like an attack. Right. Yeah, I think that especially when you they hit that preteen teen age, we're all kind of well. I haven't been there yet, but I'm assuming there's kind of that want to be a buddy and have them come to you and have them trust you for that. But again, you have to make sure that there's that balance and that division. And I like that of kind of like flipping the switch, flipping the tone. You can actually make words that they start to associate with that switch and wearing the different hat. I like that a lot. Fantastic. Awesome. Um, let's see. Oh, I'm grabbing this one because I need this advice too. <laughs> advice to stop the constant whining around ages three to five. Mm. <laughs> well, I'm there. Where's, I need to take some notes. I'm so scared because I have um, five-year-old twin boys. And so, yeah, we're in that stage right now for sure. Wow. And it can be so frustrating. And I, I'm there with you. I totally understand it um, because they won't let go of certain things. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you're approaching them sort of from this mindful awareness approach and getting down to their level, um, it it helps you to kind of see where they're coming from. And so one piece of that is that, yeah, they know a lot of words and they're really starting to understand. But at the same time, they still don't really have like the full capacity and the full range of being able to express Mm -hmm. themselves and like really know themselves, like what they're feeling and what they want. A lot of times the emotions just pop up and then they're just reacting to them. And then you're the very brunt of that. So with whining, I'll do that same thing that I was telling you about to answer the other question, which is I am validating their experience. So I'll say, I hear that, I hear that you really want that toy. Mm-hmm. I hear it. And I'm sorry that I, we can't get to it right now. Usually they're trying to um, get my attention because they want something, but I'm busy with another child or, or work or whatever it is. And so I'll say, okay, I hear you. I hear that you want this right now and we will get to it. And I like to give like an X amount of time or like I'm sort of once I'm done doing this so that they understand that there is a, that there is a situation or a time frame that they can rely upon, that they can trust, um, and know that after that point, that I will then get to attending to their needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that. You know, a big part of that whining is they just want your attention. They're like, you right. know, like ah, and I really and showing you, I really want this. I really want whatever it is that I'm whining about. Um, in those moments, as I'm talking, it can be super frustrating because you just want to finish whatever it is that you're doing. You just want to stop all the noise. 
So I'm taking constant deep breaths because again, that's something that I don't need to walk away in order to do it. You know, right. you think of meditation, you think you have to go sit in a quiet corner, but with these mindfulness breathing techniques, you can do it in the heat of the moment as you're getting triggered to just to balance you out so that you're not reacting, overreacting, and you're, you're just a little bit more calm. And so you can just right. handle the situation just a little bit better. And so as, I, as I'm speaking to them, I'm breathing, I'm doing all this, and, and then I, even if it was something that I could have just stopped, I'll continue to do it because I want them to understand sort of like that, that you know, their needs aren't that immediate unless it's, of course, something dangerous, but that they can learn to wait. And again, it's another one of those things that took a lot of time and we're still doing it, obviously. Yeah. But I have noticed the change in their ability to wait, their ability to just zip their lips and wait patiently and wait their turn. Sometimes it works better than other days, you know, depending on what it is they really want. But it's an exercise for both of you. And, um, and then, you know, they're able to sort of learn that this is the process. This is how it works, right? Um, but validating, you know, from that was just validating, um, setting a process that you follow all the time so that they know what to expect. Um, those would be the two key points from that. At 4.30, I will be putting that into action. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Let's see. Oh, there's two more. Let's see where should go. We'll go here. How do I teach my child not to re repeat inappropriate words or behaviors they see and overhear. <laughs> I did not submit my own question, I promise. <laughs> That's just so good because, so I have the five-year-olds, uh, but I also have teenagers, and the teenagers are just mouthy, mouthy, exactly mouthy. The, yeah. you know, it just comes out by accident, and I'll have to remind the older ones, you're not with your friends right now, you know, can't use that language around here because we have the little kids. Yeah. Um, and so I'll have to remind them, but you know, it goes without saying the little ones will have already heard it. And so then them, I'll hear them saying it every now and then, or I'll see them sort of, um, <sighs> the other thing is my five-year-old and my 15-year-old uh, and myself, we all like take boxing lessons. They all like to do like fighting stuff that's inappropriate outside of their lesson. Right. Um, and so I'll have to just, in the moment when it happens, I'll try not to freak out. I'll try not to make it like this really big thing because it wasn't done maliciously, you know, especially with the little ones. They're just saying these words because they know that there's an emphasis in it when you say it and that it incites reactions to people and they want to be able to do that right they're so limited in their capacity to be able to sort of communicate so when they see things and pick up on things that you know have these great effects they want to use them um so when i catch them in it though i don't want to give them that response so i'll just you know what those words are for older people and mm -hmm. so you can use that but you know what if you're feeling upset because sometimes they'll try to use it when they're upset. If you're feeling upset, feeling frustrated, which I can see, I understand that you feel this way. How about we use, and then I'll give like something that's more appropriate for their age. 
Um, and so the keys there were <clears throat> not to make a big deal, not to give them the feedback that they're waiting for and want, mm -hmm. and then to just um, calmly give them like, you know, an alternate solution to that. Um, so that's with words, but with sort of fighting and yeah. <laughs> fighting is hard, especially when you're in public places and you're like, oh. sure. So you can feel the judging eyes on you and you're just sweating sure. buckets. Yeah. So I'm there all the time because boy energy is just nuts. And so in those moments, I'll just have to get down to their level and just say, you know what? This is not, I understand that you, you sometimes it's playing. They're not even just upset. Like, right. I understand that you want to play or I understand that you are feeling upset with your brother. I'll physically get in between them. Because, you know, that creates immediately sort of um, a separation and a rift in that, in that scenario. Mm -hmm. Get in the middle. And, uh, and getting down to the level is really, it sounds like it's so simple, but it can be very impactful. Because now you're looking at them eye to eye. And they can see mm -hmm. And if you're speaking to them in just a calm way, they're kind of getting that they're... Um, their model, they'll eventually model your behavior because they see that that's how you respond in that situation. And so I'll say, listen, you know, we'll, we have to keep our boxing skills or, or like our excitement or our use of new techniques like in appropriate places. This is not an appropriate place. You should not do it like when we're in line and now you have to social distance. So you really need a lot of space. And right. So, but when we're in line for a <laughs> bakery or something they're like running around and I'm like listen you know that there's a virus around so we need to like keep our distance from people one and two like this isn't appropriate right here this isn't this isn't a park this is not our backyard like we have to we have to respect other people's space like these are older people like what if you mm -hmm. do that I try to give them scenarios to like help them understand ones that they can understand so they understand the virus they understand that it's not like they understand location, right? So things that they can sort of wrap their minds around and making them aware as well, it sort of builds their awareness and their mindfulness as well in the situation. It is a lot of freaking talking. So, I mean, you have to be prepared and breathe. Just breathe. Yeah, breathe through, through it, right? <laughs> Listen, I want to ask you something about um, like a method that you brought up because I was talking to I was talking to my mom about this earlier today as I was prepping because you know we were talking about the questions that are coming up and I she said something about the whole getting down to their level mm -hmm. and she kind of rolled her eyes at it. Not gonna lie, mom, sorry, I'm calling you out on it, but uh, I think it's helpful because. I do think that there's kind of a generational divide where um, getting down to their level and talking to your kids calmly is almost like too soft parenting and that we're not enforcing discipline. Like, what are your thoughts on that crazy balance? Because I think there's a lot of different. Yeah, no, it's true. I find that when you're, um, when, you, when you're still standing up tall, you're kind of like, you're kind of not relating to them because you're looking down, mm -hmm. especially as they're little ones. And so that can automatically bring up a wall, like I was talking about before. It can automatically make them feel like they're on the defensive versus you're trying to have sort of that very like 
mindful and open um, conversation with them so that they can really understand and not feel like you're berating them and that you're judging them and that they are being heard. But, you know, I always start with like, I understand that you feel this way or I hear that you want this. So the first thing is always to show them that I understand what they want and what they need, but there's a certain way about of going about it. Um, and so when you set it up like that, I think it's, it, it can be seen as soft, but if you think about it, it's like, if you were just trying to fit something in that was very, um, sort of like rigid into a space that, you know, that is tight, like you're, this is sort of, ex um, comparing your parenting style. Like if you're very rigid, like you have to be this sort of overbearing and like very hard sort of parenting style that doesn't give or bend you you know you can only get so so far with it right but if you're able mm. to flow in in a little bit more of a flexible way that sort of goes around that obstacle and the obstacle being your child and you can flow around it better it's just more seamless. It's just an easier experience for everyone versus sort of that shoving and trying to make something work into a space that doesn't, isn't accepting of it. So right. if your child isn't accepting of that sort of approach, and every child is different. I mean, for one, right. time, that approach might work, that old school style will work. I definitely have kids that will definitely hear it and go with that. But then I have my other ones that I need to speak to them in a, di in a different mm -hmm. way. So that's another whole part of being mindful is recognizing what your child really responds to, you know, and then being flexible and being able to deliver that. And every child is different in the family. Totally. I mean, that's for sure. Every child is different. Uh, all right. Here's one of the last questions that might stir up some controversy. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. So let's talk about older generations enabling their adult children by letting them still live in the house in their 30s how do you break that cycle mm. this was a, a just so everyone's clear this was a user so, or an audience submitted question <laughs> just putting that out there <laughs> no that's really good i, I like this because usually i get questions about like little kids and teenagers but, you know, when you're 30, you're still someone's child. So, right. yeah. Um, a lot of that, you know, I think is just an another instance of expectations. And um, in this instance, you're like, you're expecting to still play the role, like, the, the, say, the mother is still expecting to play the role of being the caregiver. And they have sort of set in their mind, like, I have to be the one that has to do this for them. Versus flipping the script and changing it and being flexible in your ever-evolving role as a parent that, you know what, now at this age, my child uh, has different needs. And I need to, as the parent, be able to give them the opportunity to be able to do what they're supposed to be able to do, right? And in this situation, it's the opportunity to flourish on their own and in their own terms, and to not necessarily have like this, this sort of bubble around them, this 
um, stronghold of support and foundation, that it's okay to, it, you know, it's, it's in part like you're worried that um, you're putting your child in almost harm's way mm. as you're not there as their stronghold of support. But in this moment, you can recognize that part of the journey for them, and much like you did as you were growing up as a mother, is being able to experience that. And so right. you recognize that and sort of are aware of what you're doing, then you can recognize that, well, I'm holding that back from them because I'm not allowing them this opportunity to explore and, and live life um, and just have challenges, you know, right. without me sort of being overbearing and trying to control the whole yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about just looking within and looking at um, like what it is that you're sort of expecting from the situation.